Welcome to 10 Minutes With. It's a podcast for people who want to listen to podcasts but don't have all day. We've got a quick chat with someone you might be interested in learning more about in about 10 minutes. Fernando Ortega is an artist at heart, a musician, a photographer, a storyteller, and it all started with an accordion and a harmonica. Yeah, my mom was an accordion player. She played the button accordion, and, and then my dad played harmonica, and they both sang. So, yeah, sitting around and listening to them. Sorry, my mom played the accordion right up till the time she passed, like, you know, within the last, she died in 2020. So I can remember her playing in 20, 2019, you know, we, people would come over and she'd pull that thing out. We'd have to make her. <laughs> and she'd literally tremble when she was playing the accordion because she would be so nervous. She, she took things very seriously. So how do you feel performing in front of people? Do you have some of that trepidation of your mother or is it just kind of not a thing anymore? I, I rarely get, you know, nervous unless something something is out of the ordinary. Um, like say I'm sitting on the floor and the audience is on the floor around me, like close enough to touch so they can, you know, see it my nostrils when I breathe in. I guess be kind of <laughs> nervous. Like there's something about like just a very close, intimate setting that I find a little intimidating you know i've played billy graham crusades and, and franklin crusades and anagram lost crusades where there's you know tens of thousands of people and, and in those situations the audience is so far away from you and there's lights on you it's, it's sort of hard to i just never get nervous at stuff like that you once had a piano teacher tell you god exists in the details what are some of your favorite ways that you've seen our big god in small things I know that my piano teacher was referring to just the min- the minutest things, the minutest expressive things you do on the piano, like coming to the to a peak of a phrase and in your hands, you know, creating a crescendo. And also inside of you, you have to create that that crescendo. And then slowly tapering off to the last note of that phrase and then and then just kind of really delicately hitting it, you know. Um, and then also playing scales, so in a way that they were clean and and even. And so he had me practice very slowly all the time with a metronome. Scales like bum, 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 bum. And, you know, over and over. And then bum, 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 bum. And then diddle, 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 you know, going up and down the scale. Learning to to, to make details with my fingers. And I feel the same you know, with the subtlety of language, and, and, I, and I would like to just refer to some of the great hymns that I love, like, Ah, Holy Jesus, How Have You Offended? How perfectly, well, that's a translated hymn from German, I believe, but how perfectly translated it is, so that the poetry of it is not cliched. It's, it's not like, Christianese that we're so used to hearing. It's unusual ways of expressing thoughts about God that are are subtle but moving or poignant. When I sing that hymn and I'm paying attention to how the words rise and fall and 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 the picture they paint, uh, I find that those details are super important to to nail as a in the performance of the piece, and then super important for the audience or the congregation, whatever may, the case may be, um, to listen to that, those subtleties in the language and allow themselves to be brought into 
the piece that's being sung. You know, our worship in churches, we're so used to just standing there and watching people, you know, and, and lights and sound and all that and, and, and images on the, on the screen. We've lost this kind of discipline of entering into worship mentally, of, of really taking things in with our minds. We're so used to being entertained. And, and frankly, so much worship music today is geared that way. We're in this culture now that just has been conditioned for immediate cessation of all the senses. And right. and so here you have Christian music that has kind of, for the sake of survival, shoehorned itself into that arena, which is so different from the spirit of worship, which should just be able to exist in any arena because God is omnipresent. And then you think of how, how those things are, are staged and presented. You know, you've got in a large church with money, you're going to have spotlights and and probably a fog machine. And it's very much a visual. And then the audience or the congregation will be unlit. So it, it's a it's a very much a focus on the personalities on stage. And I'm not saying this totally wrong. I'm just saying it makes when that becomes the standard of worship. It makes a church without the budget to do that, when they, but they, they feel the need to try and do it. It can seem insincere at that point. I think so, too. Yeah. I want to talk some about you being an artist, which for most people who I would interview, music would kind of be the scope of that. But you have all of these other artistic passions. Can you talk some about things like visual arts as ministry? I posted a video of the hymn that I was telling you about just now, Ah, Holy Jesus, How Have You Offended? I think it's so beautiful. A friend of mine uh, does beautiful work on, on, on you know, videos and, and presentations like that. He does, he builds stage sets for big rock bands and country bands, and he's very talented. But so Ah, Holy Jesus is a hymn of, of Christ's journey to the cross and how Simon came in and, you know, at one point helped him carry that cross. Um, and then he get you know he it, it's he ends when he gets to the top uh, of the hill of Golgotha, but the the song says, "Ah, holy Jesus, how have you offended? That mortal judgment has on you descended, um, by foes derided, by your own rejected, oh most afflicted." That's the first verse, but but I I compiled a bunch of sacred art images. I'm I'm saying sacred art art that is religious in nature. Um, and images of Christ walking to the cross, images of Simon helping him carry the cross, uh, images of the crucifixion and the agony that, that Jesus went through. And, you know, for the most part, I think people, the response has been really fantastic. As people watch these images, they've said they just never thought about those Christ journey to the cross in the same way. You, you know, you can't look at an image and say, this is what Jesus looked like. You know, then then you start to become this sort of, you know, bordering on the on the uh, idolatrous. You know, if you're not careful. But I think, you know, like reading a, a theology book, say by Alistair Begg or by Martin Lloyd Jones or or John Stott. You know, you read those those guys, and they're they're taking passages of scripture, and telling you, interpreting for you, or giving you an idea of what of what those passages mean. So that's very acceptable in, in church culture. But I had a guy really object to painting, saying that I was setting people up for idolatry. 
you know, I feel like it's the same as reading a, a theological book. You have this, so a lot of these painters were incredibly well studied and, and, and you know, book smart, learned, read lots of books and they, their gift wasn't writing, you know, prose or poetry or anything, they, but their gift was with their hands creating these beautiful images. And I feel like in those images you see when you you know look at a painting by Leonardo da Vinci or by Michelangelo or by Caravaggio, you can glorify God because you say, whoa, look at what God did with this man's hands. Look at the gift he gave him to be able to paint light that way, to be able to, to, be able to paint agony on the faces of the disciples or of Christ or, you know, or Christ's ascension into heaven. Uh, it's, it's really something. We're excited that you're going to be in Olean, New York on Friday, May 6th. Can you say the name of the town again? Olean. Because I kept on, I keep on calling it Olean. And I corrected my manager. She said Olean. And I said, no, it's Olean. I did not think that we would come to this point in the interview where I would be schooling you in anything. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, what what heart would you like people to walk into that show with? Hmm. You know, not crazy high expectations because it's a, it's a very pared down musical setting. It's just going to be me and my cellist i shouldn't i hate when i say my cellist or my drummer or whatever it is because that's not the case right this guy i'm playing with um just played on the academy awards he's a very very highly regarded cellist in los angeles and has played so many movies and tv shows i would just hope people would come in with a, with a sense of just sort of relaxing and that's that's a that's a dumb word but just come ready to hear stories and songs that 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 mean a lot to me and sort of trying to paint a picture of my view of the world and of, and of God. And, and, you know, I sing about the people in my life. I sing about, you know, experiences in, in my life. And then I, and then I sing the songs that are more like more hymn like I love doing these concerts. So I hope that people will come and enjoy it. I'm so glad that you travel with a cellist, no matter how big the venue is, because I always say there's always room for cello. Oh, <laughs> you have to be kind of like, when was that? When was that? I, it wasn't that long ago. Okay, let's just leave it at that. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Cameron is not old enough to know what that means, but I will tell him and he will find it very funny. He is a very funny guy. It was a joy talking with you. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks a lot for, for talking to me. I, I really enjoyed it. If you've enjoyed this episode of 10 Minutes With, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You might also consider giving to Family Life, the listener-funded ministry that makes this and other podcasts possible. Go to familylife.org and find out more about what we do. Did you know Family Life offers a variety of podcasts? Get up to date with Family Life news or enjoy some family time with Family Life kids. There's, if that makes sense, a Family Life original podcast where they talk about what life is really like as a Christian in your 20s. And Therese Talk, a podcast with help for women to better serve their families and community. They're all free and on demand at familylife.org. Just click podcast in the radio menu.